This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in! The Huddle. Welcome to the Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. No Stacey Ross today, so you're dealing with us, man. We got a good show for you today. We got Devin Witherspoon, who's going to join us, as well as Michael Jackson. You're here from Gino at the podium. We got Big Ray Roberts on the line, Steve Rabel as well. And then we'll end this thing with Boyle, my guy, John Boyle, man. How you doing, Wyman? How you feeling? How was Thanksgiving? How was Turkey Day and all that? It was great. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really have any. Kind of, we had chicken pot pie. Okay. That's it. Yeah, so <laughs> we didn't, I didn't. Usually, I work my tail off on Thanksgiving Day, doing the turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy. But I, we didn't do anything. This uh, kids are out of town, so yeah, it was uh, it was all football. All football. Yep. My wife, um, she was upset that I wasn't there on Thursday. She did come to the game though with the kids, and then Friday I had to get ready to leave because I left Saturday morning for Pac-12 stuff. So she said, "You know what?" We didn't have Thanksgiving. We're going to do it again this week. So this week she's going to cook, oh, and okay. we'll have Thanksgiving this week. Uh, but on Thanksgiving can Day. Can I come over? Sure. <laughs> Holla at me. Got a spot for you. You can you stay tonight if you want to, too. I got a room for you. <laughs> uh, but on Thanksgiving Day, we had to sit and endure. 31 to 13, the Hawks lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Geno, 18 of 27, 180, an interception. Zach Charbonnet got the start this week with Ken Walker being out. He had 14 carries for 47 yards as a team. The Hawks rushed for 88 yards. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba had two catches for 41. DK, three for 32. Defensively, Jordan Brooks had 12 tackles, a pass defended, and a pick six. The only touchdown for the South Seahawks came on the defensive side of the ball. Man, this was... um. A tough one to watch from the very first possession. You saw the Niners come out. They go nine plays, 71 yards, and they showed you everything. And my first thought was, okay, this is going to be a tough one. You have to pray that they just make mistakes to 49ers and turn the football over. Yeah, exactly. And that that opening drive just kind of set the tone for uh, it just looked like they were going to do whatever they wanted to do. So they just went right down the field. And, um, yeah, lots of – Lots of things, you know, there was, they were attacking the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, we, we went under a couple of blocks, which gets guys out of gaps. I thought, you know, the, the real positive was Big Cat Williams played really well. He actually, and, you know, I looked at his uh, game against the Giants. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, when he was with the Giants against the Niners, and he had a good game. So he, uh, he's the guy that splits double teams, uh, sniffed out a screen. I'm just trying to keep it positive, but... Man, it was uh, it was tough, and then you know you get your first you get your first offensive possession, and Gino does that scramble thing, mm-hmm. which I am all for. That man, I love when he scrambles. I think he's faster than than he thinks he is. But it went right into the teeth of their defense. Greenlaw's right there, and and then a couple of passes that I don't want to say they almost got picked off. One did, um, you know, and then there was a crosser that was like in the same area. So yeah. it just seemed like they were. They were just off schedule just in general. And at one point, I think it was like 10 minutes left in the second quarter um, after D. Eskridge runs that, that fly sweep. Mm-hmm. He had, what, 80 yards, <laughs> you know, the 70-yard return right. after the kickoff and then a 10-yarder, and that's, that's all they had. It was, just, uh, it was just him. So, yeah, it was really, really a tough start, and it kind of set the tone, I felt like, for the rest of the way. 
And these guys have so many, you know, it's like Jennings can replace Debo and Debo can replace Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey and, you know, uh, Kittle. I think I was texting you over the weekend. I was like the, the one where he just runs a little stick route that's like 12 yards. He turns around, ball's right there. I mean, they were just totally on it. And, yeah, it was a, it was a tough one to watch. Yeah, well, it seemed like um, they were never really uncomfortable. It seemed like for the 49ers, it was like, okay, offensively, we're going to run everything we want to run. And defensively, we'll be able to get after uh, Gino. The pockets collapsed a bunch. I was looking at their third downs, three for 11 on third down, about four or five sacks on those third downs, too. Um, The pocket is collapsing. You you did mention one positive, man. It was so nice to see D. Eskridge have a big play. I mean, we've been waiting so long to see this happen. I'm watching a game uh, with my kids when we're at the stadium, and I'm I stand up and throw the number one in the air like, let's go, D, because um, it's been hard for him. And uh, for him to have that type of success is amazing. And then you see DJ Dallas um, fumble the football and kick on pump returns. So now I'm wondering, I go, all right, are they going to put D back there on, on pump returns as well? Because that's the second time DJ has fumbled this year. But catching a punt is so hard. I don't think people realize that. It's different than catching a kickoff. The, the ball moves oh, sure. and reacts differently. When you see when you saw D. Eskridge, um, what were you thinking? And do you think plays like that – um, will make Shane Waldron try to draw a couple more things up for him. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. For the last, like, two or three weeks, I feel like they've been forcing DS Green. Yeah. You know, and it's like he always runs the fly sweep. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it, and they're all over it. And then same thing with the returns. DJ has been doing a really good job with the punt returns, and, you know, and he was returning kickoffs, I think, in the, in the very beginning. And I like what you get from DJ. And so I was kind of grumbling uh, about – Eskridge being back there and then he gets the 70 yard uh-huh. return I'm like all right man that's a good way to go so yeah it was it was good to see him get going we actually the two guys that when the post game show that I did on, on television with King Five we got D Eskridge and Jordan Brooks mm-hmm. which I felt bad for Jordan because you got this glorious moment and it's in a loss 31 13 and but we we kind of talked about how EK gets the ball for you and they paint like a uh-huh. quarter of the ball first interception first pick six obviously so uh and then same thing with Eskridge you know asked him about uh you know the the return and how did you ever return kickoffs yeah preseason I did yeah Yeah. you gotta be a little nuts to do that you do you have to uh you gotta shoot the gap and pray that it stays there because those gaps (laughs) will close on you so quickly and you gotta be fast I wasn't fast enough for kick return I I I got like a 60 yard burst and in my RPMs I'm done I, I I tap out real quick yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it takes a lot of faith. Like you hit a gap and all of a sudden there's some and, – and always look at the guys on the kickoff team are guys that are trying to get on the field. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like they're hungry. And so they're hunting you up. And uh, it was uh, – yeah, it was, it was nice to see him finally get going and, you know, what D. Eskridge is about. I always kind of attach him with Tutu Atwell mm-hmm. because they were drafted, you know, uh, one pick apart. And Atwell has been on fire yep. lately, and this year he's really come into his own. So I'm happy to see D. Eskridge, who was, what, the first pick of that draft in 2021. 20, 21. Yep. Yeah, where they only had three picks. One of them was Trey Brown, the other Stone Forsyth. So good to see him get going. Uh, we saw Zach Charbonnet. Now, you did a football one-on-one, and you broke down what makes Zach Charbonnet so special when it comes to gap schemes, right, to pin the pool. You got uh, moving bodies on that offensive line. What did you see out of that? Did did they uh, feature him in that way, or did you feel like they 
they called the game as if Kim Walker was in. Yeah, I felt like that, that, you know, and he needs to kind of get a little bit better of uh, start and stop. That's where Walker, K-9 is so good that way that he, you know, he's, it's more, it's not so much downhill, it's kind of sideways. And sometimes, like in short yardage situations and down on the goal line, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. I like the, the straight ahead thing that you get from, from Zach Charbonnet, but he, he actually is starting to get that down because you can't just have like one blocking scheme that works for you. Right. You got to be able to do it in uh, different situations. And I know sometimes they'll run that pin and pull and because the defense sets up for it, but lots of times it doesn't set up for it and you got to do the, the zone blocking read and he needs to figure out how to, how to navigate through the gap. And I thought a couple of times he, he looked like he's starting to get it. Yeah. Uh, defensively, man, I felt like, they played better than what the score shows you. I felt like they gave the offense opportunities to kind of keep the game close, yeah. but then the offense just wasn't able to do it. And it's hard to ask your defense uh, to be out there. I mean, there was one point where uh, time of possession was just totally in favor of the 49ers. What did you see out of the defense? Well, I thought there was a couple of times. First of all, uh, the Jennings tackle where yeah. the spoon 37. gets on him. Yeah. Had him. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and, you know, that would have been – I think they would have been able to kick a field goal there. Yep. But still, that was just such a big difference. Instead, they go down and score. And so that was a huge play. The other one was in the second quarter when uh, there was Trey Brown got a holding penalty, mm-hmm. which was holding. Yeah, he I was mean, all over. Yeah, <laughs> he, he pretty much tackled uh, – I think it was George Kittle. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those two situations, uh, you don't – and that's the funny thing about the NFL and, like – I don't, I'm not saying they would have won the game, but they would have been in it. And when you're in it, it just feels so much better. I just felt like they, their, their offense went right down the field doing what, uh, what they do. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is an incredibly powerful football player, mm-hmm. man. He, he really does bust through uh, tackles. And, but, yeah, there's a couple of situations there. And Chuck Knox used to always say this, that every game comes down to five plays. You know, and I, I feel like those two on defense were – and I'm not sure what happened there, but Spoon had him. I don't know if he was trying to rip the ball out. And then um, both Trey Brown and Reek Woolen just took a, a bad angle. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, I think with tackling – you got to get the guy down first, then let's start slapping at the ball. Right. You know, and so that's one of the things uh, I think it's just in general in the NFL, pulling the ball out and slapping at it and, you know, trying to trying to punch it out is it's so much better uh, than it was. Like we didn't I don't ever remember really even thinking about that. The force fumbles I had in the NFL is because I hit somebody or I put my hat on the ball. These guys are, are trying to rip it out, but they, it also leads to some bad tackling right you know and in that situation i felt like both trey and reek were trying to pull the ball out witherspoon's trying to get him on the ground and yeah it was just that was tough and then like i said the pi extends that drive and then instead of a field goal in both those situations you get touchdowns man when the hawks play the niners i always look at the second level of the backers and think it must be so difficult to play against that team yeah because you got to run read you got to run fit but then they got play action i feel like if i'm a linebacker my head is always on a swivel and my shoulders are rarely squared to the line of scrimmage because of all the things that are going on would that be a fair assessment yes it's much harder i mean you look at the the run pass option and on that uh one of the i think it was the first drive there was a 26-yard run from McCaffrey mm-hmm. where both Bobby and Jamal, I felt like they could have reacted a little faster, but they were checking for like a, you know, a, a run fake and a rollout. And, you know, 
the 49ers carry out those fakes so well, and I think Purdy's really good at it's kind of a, we talked about this on our show. It's kind of a lost art with the quarterback um, executing the uh, the play action. You know, like you've gotta you've gotta carry through with it, and there's certain like body movements. Remember Boomer Esiason? I know mm-hmm. that's going way back. Nope. So, you know, firsthand, I'm watching that guy, and he was it was so difficult to tell whether he had the ball or not. So that part is much harder. It kind of splits your defense in half. Uh, and that's, you know, there was on that 26-yard run, both Bobby and Jamal kind of played the pass on the backside. And by that time, Christian McCaffrey's already the line of scrimmage, and off he goes. So, yeah, it is, it is a lot tougher, to, and especially when you have a team I feel like everybody on the 49ers is a really smart football player. I feel that way about the Rams who put up 37 points yesterday and like 457 yards. You know, they just they execute really really well and everything in practice is about that and you know it it just it makes it incredibly difficult. After a game like that, you know, you look at that and go, how did San Francisco ever lose? You know, <laughs> but sometimes it's matchups, and then, you know, you just get a couple of plays, like we said, and like Chuck Knox used to say, comes down to just a few plays. And and it just felt like in the beginning, in that first quarter, the game was sort of won there. Yep. All right, well, we're just getting started here on The Huddle. When we return, we'll be joined by Devin Weatherspoon and Michael Jackson. That is next on The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. We are waiting for our player interview today. We're speaking to Devin Weatherspoon and Michael Jackson. Man, I, I love – I'm going to ask Spoon when he gets in here. I love just his body language and the chatter that I think is going down before some snaps. Like, you see him walking to the line of scrimmage, moving his head, and backing up. I go, the game must be so slow and he's so comfortable out there because when I was playing, I was like, all right, man, what's the play? Me you too. Get, get my thing right. You know, he's just – he's in the zone, man. It's fun playing with guys like that. I love – and then also he has that thing where he stands up and wags his finger at the other sidelines after he makes yeah. a play. I mean, I you know, and – it's funny how some guys can pull that off. Like some guys, you're like, oh, you're just a stupid rookie. Why don't you be quiet? <laughs> and other guys are like, you love him for that. His energy is is unbelievable. So, you know, we're, uh, <laughs> we were talking on our show about, I don't know if you heard this, but when he grabbed the, uh, I can't remember who the receiver was down in L.A. and then kind of threw him back into yeah. the suplex, or as I called it, the souffle. I like the souffle, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But B- Pete called it dune buggy. He dune, dune buggy, which kind of makes sense. You know, the dune you, buggy goes yeah. up and goes backwards. Yep. And I asked Pete on the on the field before the game. I was like, "What is? What did that mean?" He goes, "Yeah, I don't know. I really <laughs> don't know what that means." So. All right, we're joined by the man himself, Spoon. What's going on, man? We were uh, we were just talking about. Um, your your uh your tackle of the day when you lifted old boy over your shoulder and body yeah. slammed him, uh Dave called it a a, a souffle, su a suplex, and, a suplex. A suplex. Yeah. and then uh what what did Pete call it a doom buggy doom buggy doom buggy uh, what'd you call it? oh I did he he just went for a ride <laughs> I saw once you did it I was hyped right everyone's hyped but then you realize like damn I can't do that he was like my bad yeah yeah, yeah it was on me quick. like like once I after I got him in screen or whatever I'm like. That was just a dumb mistake. You know what I'm saying? But it was just in a moment. Um, we just playing football that time. Yep. Yep. 
Um, yeah, so. it, there's no such thing as unnecessary roughness. Yeah. There, there's necessary roughness. You could, you could say that, but then somebody else dictates <laughs> the whole other thing. So. Now, we were just talking about your, your swagger on the field, man. I, I love it. I like all the, you know, you get up and wag the finger at the <laughs> other sidelines. I mean, did were you like that in, in the very beginning? Has this been pretty much just, that's just been you? Yeah, that's always been me. Um, I just like to express my emotions out there on the field, man, um, and I just like to have fun. Yeah. At the end of the day, we just compete against other great players. Um, so when a, if another person makes a play, I expect to, them to do the same thing to me and let them know, like, you can't guard me, stuff like that. Like, that to me, that's fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we just talk a little trash, but at the end of the day, we just trying to have fun, yeah. be competitive. So you guys are, what, 11 games in now? In college, you'd be wrapping it up. Be like, all right, maybe bowl game coming up. And now you still got, like, another quarter of football to be played, man. Yeah. What What is that like mentally? Because I – I found when I was coming up, like, my body just knew when it was almost over. Like, all right, man, just make it through. You're almost done. It's a little different this year, man. What's that yeah. like? Uh, me, it's it's tough, though, uh, especially being a rookie um, because, like, the year has been just nonstop coming out of college. Um, so it's just been a long year for me, man. Um, but I kind of feel myself hitting that rookie wall that they was talking about. Um, but me, I just to keep my head in the game. I just try to stay, stay focused. And I just look forward to the next week. Um, and competing against all these these great guys that we've been uh, competing against, these other teams. And for that, it just keeps me motivated. So. You know, whenever people talk about your stats, Dev, uh, you know, I talk about there's a sack that didn't count because, you know, got taken off the board. And then <laughs> Arizona you, game, yeah. Yeah, and then you had a pick as well. Arizona. And, yeah, both of those plays. But you, you, you ran that one out of the end zone, and so I'm thinking – no, just take a knee. Mm. But you, you actually got out to like the 15 yard line, and I think Pete said, "Hey, just let him do his thing." Is that yeah, kind of what, what they're saying to you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um they just let me be me. Um, and I and, and I that's why I love it here. Um, they don't ever tell me to act another way. They just continue to be yourself and just do yourself. Continue to be the best you. Um, but in the control, you know what I'm saying, fashion within the game. So um, that's dope. But you understand to not hurt the team. Like after the, the dune buggy thing we talked yeah. about, you, you were kind of like, yeah, that, that was my bad. Although I was perfectly fine with it. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's necessary. But it seems like you kind of you, – you understand. Like they're letting you go mm -hmm. that way because they know that you're not going to hurt the team, mm -hmm. basically. Yes, sir. That's, that's what it looks like to me anyway. Yes, sir. Oh, man, so um, – we always talk about the culture in this building, and uh, I feel like now more than ever, you guys got to lean on that culture, right? You got two losses, games that you felt like you could have competed in. Um, it, has it been consistent? You know, after two tough games, you still come in, the vibe's still the same, the focus is still the same. What's that like? Uh, it's, it's tough, um, especially when you know um, when you just lose those games to those teams, um, their division teams. So it's just like, dang, that just hurts even more because we got to see them every year. Um, so when they beat us, it kind of hurt a little more than, like, just any other loss would. Um, but, yeah, man, we just try to keep our head focused, man, just look forward to the next week. Um, but, yeah, we just try to come in and compete. What are, are there challenges for you as far as, I mean, you're a young guy, so maybe it's mentally having these, you know, short weeks and stuff like that. But physically, are, are you feeling okay? What are you doing that's extra to, like, take care of your body? Uh, everything, yeah, um, like uh, massages, cold tub, treatment rehab, everything, just to try to stay on top of being healthy. Um, like I said, it's a long season, so um, you got to be on top of your game, like not just football, but take care of your body as well because without without your body, you ain't going to be able to play this game. So. Is that way different from you in college? Is that a big change? I mean, did they emphasize that much when you were in college? Yeah, uh, my coach emphasized it a lot, um, especially my last two years. 
Um, you just stand on top of your body. Um, make sure you're feeling okay, doing well. Um, it's gonna be a long season, man. So, um, our coach always instilled that in us. So, yeah, I just kind of took that and ran with it. Um, Pete always says every game is a championship game, but uh, last week was a prime time game, and your first was the first prime time game in the league. Or have you, have you guys had one already? I think was the Giants game prime time. I think Giants yeah, game yeah, was prime time. Yeah, yeah but first first prime time game at home. I want yeah, to say at home. Definitely. Yeah, what was that like? That was dope. Um, maybe it was night game. Uh, the way they had the lights shut off and then all the flashlights lights and stuff was going off in the stadium. It's just a pretty dope experience, man. Um, and then we was playing San Fran, so it was just like you don't get no better than this. Um, but that was dope. That was dope, definitely dope. Hey, speaking of that, uh, so Monday the the on the Monday night game against the Giants, I did kind of a little breakdown where it looked like so you're coming off the edge, you kind of playing a little cat and mouse thing with the quarterback's mm -hmm. eyes because he's looking at Daniel Jones. It was he was yeah. looking at you, and you back off, mm -hmm. and then when he looks away, all of a sudden you hit that thing. Is that something that you're you, you've you've worked on? Is it different than what you've didn't done in college? I mean, it's something that I work on because, like, it's different with different quarterbacks. Um, okay. Different quarterbacks able to hold their play cards just to see what you're going to do. Um, they like the hard count just to get you to show any type of – so they can get a man's own ID right. uh, what's going to happen out there. So with different quarterbacks, you got to change up how you're going to approach your blitz and stuff like that. So I just like to study how the quarterback snaps the ball in hurry-up situations or just like P and 10, just a regular play. Um, so you can switch it up and give them a different look so you don't never want to give them the same look on tape. Um, and I remember hearing that from uh, the Bengals game. They were saying, like, every time I press, they would think, okay, he's coming because he don't never pre uh, blitz from off. So I'm yeah. like, okay, that's a good good thing that I need to know from self-scout. So I'm like, okay, I got to hit it from different angles. Maybe I need to show blitz and act like I'm not coming, then go. Or maybe I just need to play off and then go or right. press. And, like, you know, just give him, give a quarterback some different looks. So that's definitely something I work on. That's something guys figure out in, like, their eighth or ninth year. I mean, that, this guy's a rookie. Head of the game. It's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, man, film is, film is amazing. Man, when I was in high school, we didn't have no film. We didn't film practice. When I got to college, we started watching film. And then in the league, obviously, you got film for days. What's your, what's your film study like, man? Like, what, what's your approach to film? And then when did you learn how to really watch film? Because I learned how to watch film for real until maybe, like, my sophomore, junior year in college when someone sat me down and said, okay, these are the things you're looking at. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Well, I can say my freshman year of college, like my coach, he helped us watch film. So I'm saying he had to break down everything that they was going to do, and then he would just walk us through it. But when I started watching film on my own, it was kind of like my junior year going into my senior year, especially my senior year, though. Um, my coach learned, taught me how to watch film. He he had the breaks down and then, like, formations, and then in this formation you're going to get this route concept this many times, or you're going to get this concept this many times in this formation. So it's like when I watch film, that's what I look for. I look for, like, formations, and then, like, who they line in that formation, like where do they receivers, they go to receivers align in that formation. And I just like to see what they like to do, what concepts they like to run with them. Um, and to me, that when I when you get that down, like you just play so much faster on the field. Man, how great is that when you get the down and distance, you're like, this is what they like to do, and then they come out in exactly that, and then they run that play, man. Yeah. You already play fast. I would assume that you hit another level when you see that. Yeah, especially when, like, when you've seen something you've seen on tape multiple times, and then they come out in that formation, and they're gonna, and you know, nine times out of ten, they gonna run it. I'm jumping that play every time. <laughs> like I believe what I see on tape, yep. um, and that's why many people think I just be guessing. But it's like it's not a guess when you watch film. Yep. Prepare for this, for sure. Yes, sir. Devin, man, we appreciate your time. 
uh, safe travels to Dallas, man, and keep doing your thing, man. We appreciate you. Appreciate y'all, man. All right, that's Devin Weatherspoon. When we come back, man, we'll hear from Mike Jackson. That is next on the Huddle on Michael Bumpus. It's Dave Wyman. Welcome back to the Huddle on Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman, and now we are joined by our guy, Mike Jackson. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up? I'm doing good. Good, good, man. Uh, it's been a long season, man, and uh, this team has been resilient. And um, I love watching you guys play because, especially defense, because I feel like you guys are always going to provide opportunities for this offense to kind of get things going, man. Um, how's the what's the condition of the defense right now, and how are you guys feeling about this game on Thursday? Um, you know, we're feeling good. Another championship game, and just another opportunity to go out there and show what we can do. Hey, uh, Michael, is it at this point? I'm sorry, Mike or Michael? Uh, Mike. Mike. Sorry. Um, what, uh, as far as the, the short week and everything, have you ever gone through anything like this in your career? As far as, you know, just the, the short days and, you know, we're leaving, what, tomorrow? Uh, yeah, last year we had a Thursday night game. So, uh, yeah, I have went through it before. It's just, just stay off your feet, find different ways to, you know, it's mainly mentally get yourself ready. Like physically, normally you start feeling good on game day, but mentally it's like, all right, Put the last game to bed. Get ready for the next one. Is that essentially what it was last week? Just bounce back. And I mean, you got a good team against Dallas that you guys are playing against. Uh, Dak Prescott completing seventy percent of his passes. What, what have you seen out, out of him in that offense over there? Uh, you know, they on fire right now. It's just our job just to come in and play good football and execute the plays that we have. Hey, Mike, do you uh, when you are playing like the the Rams and then you go to the Niners, do you see similarities and like some of the concepts? I know that some of these coaches are coming from the whatever tree, yeah. you know. Are you kind of seeing? I saw I thought a little half rollout where he threw it back to the opposite hook zone. I mean, it looked kind of like what the Rams run. Are you seeing a lot of similarities? Uh, yeah, it's a copycat league, so it can be a simple like reverse. If you don't stop it, then the next team going. Yeah. By they even copy plays from college. Like you see, teams now running Tennessee offense from a couple of years ago, where they go that wide double. Uh, it's like a twins look, but it's wide spacing, lining up on the sidelines. Yeah. That's college football. You don't do that in the league, but you'll see teams get it, and you know what they're doing, and you know where they're getting it from. Man, there were some stadiums that I one I hated going to, right? I hated going to uh, the Giants or old stadium. You know, it's going to be windy and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there were some that I liked going to. What are your feelings on uh, Jerry World over there I in Dallas? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I love playing at Jerry's World because, to me, I stay in Dallas in the offseason, so it's like a home game for mm -hmm. me. Like It's the closest game to Alabama, so all my family come. And for me, it's like it's the bright lights. It's America's team, the who's who's, whatever you want to call it. It's one of those games that you talk about years from now. Man, that walk-in. Do you guys have the same walk-in? You know how they show Dallas when they walk into the tunnel? Yeah, got all I the did fans that. Stuff rookie, right there. Yeah, yeah. What's that like, man? I, I would, <laughs> I would assume. I would want someone to talk to me so I can say something to him. You know, someone talk crazy to me real quick so I can uh, say something before I hit the the field. Uh, honestly. It's one of those things, like, in the league, people don't really talk crazy. Like, at college, yeah. yeah. But in the league, you'll have fans, they don't really say too much. You might have one or two, but for the most part, you just ignore them. Yeah. Go about your business. Yeah. I feel like the guy we just had in here might bark back at him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah. Devin with us. Oh, nah, Spoon definitely will. But <laughs> after a while, you get, you realize, like, but the person that you're arguing with, 
they don't have a huddle because they probably didn't even play. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why am I wasting my time uh-huh. with you? Like, yep. yeah. It's like you validate them. By yeah, it's like I'm saying your opinion matters. Like, yeah. Now, some of them will say some wild stuff where you have to go back. But yeah. for the most part, it's like, bro. And when you win the game, they're not there no more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they already hit the freeway. So you got kind of a – like a stubborn resolve that I love. Like, you know, you, you went to New England and there's good players there. And I just, I felt like you came out this off season and the preseason, everything probably had one of the best stretches that I've seen the, the practicing and everything that you you've done out there. I feel like, you know, you've, you've kind of built that up over your career. Cause man, there's been guys playing in front of you. There are pro bowls and things mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of guys would kind of go in the tank. And I love that you just kind of have like a, nastiness about you that like you you have that resolve like you're mm-hmm. you're stubborn almost like does that motivate you um to a certain degree like i've always been that dude that you know everybody counted me out right. like from literally like literally so for me it's one of those things like bro i'm gonna be more physical than you i'm faster than what people think i am uh like how many guys you know six one six feet 215 but can run four three and but will actually come up and hit your officer tackle like in the mouth and don't care about getting ran over or nothing like that like so that's just a part of my game and my thought process is everybody do all this talking during the week but it's a time like ray lewis said it it's a time he misses like seeing eddie george like looking him in his eye and you can tell like you look another man in his eye, it's going to be a dog fight, or it's like, oh, I got him already. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that about you, man. And it's like you're always ready. No matter what role they put you yeah. in, uh, you're ready to go, man. And uh, we, Dave and I and a lot of the guys, we, we talk about you all the time, man. It, it's fun watching you, watching you do your thing. Oh, no, um, appreciate it. We ain't going to hold you. You know, no. you, got, you got a short week, man. Uh, yeah. We're looking forward to seeing you do your thing on Thursday, man. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you Thanks, Mike. All right, that was Mike Jackson. Coming up next, man, we'll hear Gino as he steps up to the podium. That is next on the huddle. Welcome back to the huddle, man. Let's go hear from Gino. He's at the podium. Feel pretty good. Pretty good. I'm uh, just getting, getting ready for this, uh, another tough matchup. How helpful were the two days of doing a regular two days off with you? Yeah, it was it was helpful for me because I really needed to get healthy. Um, still working, still battling. Um, you know, working through some things, but uh, just pushing, pushing every day, and to have two days to be able to, you know, just rest and recover, work on my body was pretty good. Have you been told it's a situation that's going to last a while? You get to play through. Um, you know, the the goal is for it not to. So the recovery part of that is is very important. But uh, as of right now, it's still still there. In retrospect, do you, do you feel like it affected you all in terms of like throwing or even just the not having your usual amount of reps going into that game Thursday night? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, as you can see, I mean, we were taking uh, a few deep shots, especially early on, and I felt pretty good about it. So um, I, I wouldn't say that it affected me. Uh, I thought I was pretty much, you know, obviously know I'm battling, dealing with it, but I don't think it affected me uh, throwing-wise or playing-wise. Can you tell us about your cleats up there? Yeah, um, so my cause, my cleats, um, you know, this is for Seven Sunday Heroes, which is, um, you know, something I've been doing, you know, since my rookie year. Uh, it's for you know underprivileged kids. Um, you know mainly we focus on youth in the community. Uh, we host kids to pretty much every single uh, home game that we have, and uh, just kind of try to you know develop a you know, relationship with the community, continue to build, and you know try and help out as much as I can. You know obviously uh, you know Seattle has been good to me, so I just want to return the favor, and uh, this is 
you know, a part of that cause right here. Well, it's not part of the fleet. You did a, a football camp at Nippon Hill High School. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had a football camp at uh, Nathan Hill High School, as you as you said, and uh, it was a great turnout. I think we had like 500 some kids, and uh, it was just great to be in the community. Uh, you know, see all the smiling faces, a lot of great fans. Uh, the kids had a great time. I had a great time. So uh, it was it was a great event. Who instilled in you that desire to get back? Uh, just started at home with my family, uh, mother, grandmothers. Um, there, my grandmother's been a pastor my entire life. Um, she's dedicated her life to the community. So has my mother, and uh, pretty pretty much everyone in my family. So uh, my mom, she's always on me about that, about giving back, and uh, you know, I feel like it's the least we can do as athletes, um, as people in this position. You know, all the fans they spend their hard-earned mon- money to see us play, and uh, you know, they come out and support us every chance they get. So it's a chance for us to be supportive of them as well. The word identity has been used a lot this week by Pete, by DK. Where does team identity or offensive identity start this week? Yeah, it starts. Uh, you know, it starts up front. As always, it starts with our run game. It starts with the discipline, um, with without the penalties, and you know, eliminating the penalties and and going out and playing clean football. But it always starts up front. Um, it starts with balance. It starts with being efficient uh, in terms of the passing game. Uh, it starts with being a lot better on third down and in the red zone. And overall, just making plays. You know, going out there, having a bunch of fun, and uh, playing with the you know our guys, and just you know, really just having fun together, locking in, and you know, doing whatever it takes to win. You were really uh, strong after the game, saying you believe in you know your offense and, and then the coaches and the play calling stuff like that. I guess what is it that kind of gives you that that, that belief in faith? Yeah, um, I would just say tons of you know film that we can go back and watch and see uh, a number of times where we've been really successful and been really explosive, and uh, we still got those same players and same coaches. And so uh, I, I trust in our process. I believe in the players around me. I believe in the coaches. I believe in myself. And so. For us, again, it just gets back get back to doing what we do, which is playing good football, playing sound football, and knowing that we can execute. You know, that's the reality, being confident in that. And uh, I'll always remain confident in myself, but I'm, you know, going to continue to preach that I'm even more confident in the guys around me. And I know that we all collectively can get it done. So that's where it, that's where it lies. You know, given the confidence that you do have in your guys on, on that side of the ball, how frustrating is it that this is a thing that's been ongoing for a few weeks? You guys haven't been able to find your stride. Uh, I wouldn't say we haven't found our stride. I think it's been inconsistent. You know, just two weeks ago, I think passed for the most yards I've ever passed in my career. So, um, you know, we just got to be better at being more consistent. Um, and it starts with me, of, of course. You know, I've got to be better overall. And so, um, shoot, man, I'm working my tail off trying to get that done. But, you know, we know what we have inside this locker room. It doesn't always show up um, every single play, every single week. And that's something we got to work on and be better at. Why isn't it showing up every week, I mean, I don't have the – if I had the answer, you know, we would have solved that a long time ago. But I think overall it's just the inconsistencies in, um, in our play. You know, from a down-to-down uh, situation to situation standpoint, um, it's one or two plays here each and every game, one one or two mistakes that cost us. You know, and it's a game of inches, as they like to say. And so we got to make sure that every single time we go out there, we're on it. And we can't take any breaks. We can't relax. We can't be inconsistent. And it starts with me, like I always say. It seems like when you're facing another top five defense that that margin for error is then again on Thursday when you're yeah. talking about doing all of these yeah, things, yeah. right? Of course. In the NFL, it's going to be like that. Um, we're going to be faced with 
tough challenges every single week. You can expect that. Uh, you can look forward to that, actually. And so um, when, when going up against these, you know, great teams, and again, you know, I'll preach, we believe we have a great team. We just haven't found it yet. But uh, when you're going up against these teams, like you said, um, it's, it's important that you um, eliminate the mistakes, eliminate the errors, and not help them. You know, we want to play clean football and, and, and let them make the mistakes. And, um, you know, that's something that we've got to really, really lock in on. You haven't taken off and, as run and run this much uh, this season as you did last year, but when you have run, it seems like it's been effective. There's a nice one in the red zone mm -hmm. in the third quarter. Do you feel like there's more opportunity for you to do that? Yeah, um, I, I've been, you know, without, um, you know, looking at the rush or without trying to, you know, abandon my reads, I've been trying to find those areas in the game where I can steal some first downs and some yards here and there. Um, I know that it is an emphasis for other defenses to keep me contained in the pocket, so they don't, you know, try They try not to let me get out of the pocket a, as much. And so, um, you know, I'm always trying to find that. That's important. You know, the more I can run, use my legs, um, the more the defense has to, you know, pay attention to that. So uh, as much as I can, you know, within the scheme of the offense, you know, try to get out and get some yards. The first play of the game, was that a design run? Uh, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't a design run. It was actually a design, maybe RPO, but uh, just kind of had some yards right there. So thought I could get some yards and just get as many, as many as I thought. John Bland has been on crazy tear with <clears throat> pick sixes. That defense, and you have to keep your eyes on, on him in particular, just, just knowing he's kind of making Yeah, he's a uh, shoot, man. He's uh, he's on a heck of a tear. He's having a great year. Um, he's a ball hawk. He's a he's a guy who's every time he touches the ball, he's scoring points. So he scored five touchdowns for them. Um, we know we got to be aware of where he is, as well as Gilmore. Um, they got playmakers all over the field, though. Um, got to start with 11. Where's 11 um, in protection? And then, you know, being mindful of uh, ball location and uh, just the type of throws that we're making around those guys to make sure they don't get those opportunities. Pete Carroll was saying you have to get the ball out more quickly, but he also said it wasn't just you, of course. So a lot of factors are going to that. What could you see in your world in doing that? Yeah, uh, as you said, just processing and, and going through reads and, and getting the ball out to the design guy within rhythm of, you know, the play in the offense. And uh, Coach is right. You know, I've been probably holding the ball a little bit too long to try and see guys open instead of uh, what I normally do is to throw them open. So just trusting the guys, again, trusting myself, believing in, you know, what we're doing and just getting the ball out and making sure that I'm, you know, throwing it pretty accurately so the guys can make catches and make great plays because uh, they're great players. Is there the hesitation you're talking about? seeing them open is that a coverage thing is that a protection thing? What, what's what's got you on that track i would say um it's a little bit of all you know it's a little bit of all and uh you know i think the thing is continue to rep it continue to practice continue to believe in it and uh like like i said trust it and throw it and, and let the guys make the plays you mentioned number 11 for them how do you meet his parsons the way they move him around the different things he can do yeah he's uh you know he's, he's a lot different than you know we see a lot of great pass rushers pretty much every week but the way they scheme with him, you know, he'll be at middle linebacker at times. He's on the right side, on the edge. He's at three three tech. He'll be head up over the center at nose guard. He'll be on the left side on the edge. So um, it puts a lot of stress on your protection in terms of finding out where he is. And I think he does a great job, but no matter where he's lined up, it creating pressure. So uh, we'll have a plan for that. Um, we'll always be alert of where he is. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to make sure he doesn't impact the game as much as he has. Um, I think we got to run the ball effectively and efficiently, um, whether that's more or less, you know, that's determined by the coaches. But um, 
the key is to be balanced on offense. And in order to be balanced, you got to run the ball efficiently and effectively. And so um, I think that we're, for the most part, doing that. But at times, you know, when the game situation where you're behind, you know, you're not going to run the ball as much as you would if, you know, it was an even game or you're in the lead. So um, situations dictate that a lot. But, uh, yeah, I would say in order to be balanced, we do have to run the ball a little better. What's the key to finding the happy medium? Like, like Pete talks about wanting to get some – like maybe Jackson get get him the ball more, but then the tight ends the ball more. But then obviously you can't just get it to everybody all the mm-hmm. time as much as you want. But what's sort of the the key, I guess, to kind of trying to get everybody involved the way you want to? Yeah, just throwing to the open guy. You know, that's that's really the key. Um, you know, each one of those guys have opportunity opportunities to make plays, and for the most part, they make them. So for me, it's just tr- throw, trusting it, throwing to the open guy, no matter who that is, um, because we have a lot of weapons, and then relying on Shane and and, and Coach Carroll to you know scheme it up for for you know, each guy individually. So uh, the key for me is just to play quarterback and um, let the de- uh, defense dictate where the ball goes. All right, that was Geno Smith, your quarterback. When we return, man, we're going to go into the trenches with Ray Roberts. You are listening to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman, and now we are going in the trenches with our guy, Ray Roberts. Big Ray, how we doing today, man? Chilling like a villain, man, trying to, you know, get over all the leftover turkey and desserts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, uh, ain't nothing like some leftovers. Hey, no, that, hey, that, that's a little man problem too, dog. Ain't nothing like some leftovers, man. <laughs> hey, um, I'm looking at this game. Or, you know, first let me ask you about last week. Um, I'm looking at the third down situations, and I'm seeing that pocket get really small fairly quickly um, for Gino. Again, I always have to uh, uh, back it up with not making excuses for Gino because you know how the 12s be, man. They will get after you. Right. I'm just pointing one thing out. Um, how hard How hard was this test against the Niners going up against Bosa and Armstead and, and Chase Young? Well, the, the hard thing about going against a 49er defensive line, it's hard to figure out who you're going to double team. You know what I'm saying? Because all those dudes can win their, their one-on-one matchups. And so I think the Seahawks suffered a little bit in that. And then also by not – um, balancing things out with the run game, you know, you don't really have that to kind of slow them down a little bit. So uh, I thought it was tough for Gino. There's two things that were happening: that the pressure was was uh, really fast and heavy, but then also just getting the ball out fast, faster. So maybe you know having some routes concepts that kind of can get the ball out faster will help Gino. He has been, I think, holding on to the ball a little bit, trying to push the ball down the field. Uh, but those routes are taking a little bit too long to develop. And then when you have a, a front four front seven like the like the uh, 49ers man that's tough sledding that's going to be tough sledding for anybody so uh you know been better in the one-on-one matchups you got to win those because at the end of the day Mike you know like the game is not a uh it's not a team of of uh there's not I and team they say but if you don't win your individual matchups then more than likely your team is going to lose so they got to win more of those matchups in the passing game Hey, Ray, just one more about the 49ers. Um, tell me about Nick Bosa. One of the things about him, he seems like he has a really long upper body and short legs. Is that helping him? I mean, I saw Stone, you know, get to what I thought was a pretty good spot, and then Bosa just able to somehow slither past him. What is it about that guy that makes him so hard to block? Well, this is this is why, you know, you know Dave, like when people, like your average fan watching offensive line, defensive line they don't understand the technique and all that goes into being successful on either side of it so they either think the defensive lineman is fast and the offensive lineman are just big and strong but when you look at uh bosa his his uh uh the way he uses his hands to keep guys off of him 
Like, you don't really recognize it when you watch him rush the quarterback because you just go like, oh, man, he got past him. But it, it can be the smallest little flap of the wrist that kind of makes your hand, Stone's hand, land on his inside shoulder versus on the middle of his chest. And that's just enough for him to bend the corner. That's enough for you to have a, the less of him uh, that you can grab onto and then enough for him to kind of slide around the corner. So he does a great job of keeping the, the offensive lineman's hands off of him because he's not a big dude. And so he has, he has to use his speed and quickness. And then, you know, more than um, when I played, defensive ends and dudes that get after the quarterback, man, they spend a lot of time perfecting their craft. But when I played, I felt like if a guy was fast, he's just going to try to run fast around the corner. I didn't have to worry too much about guys slapping my hands or turning their speed into power, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but nowadays, they really work at it. And uh, and he's one of the guys that works the hardest at it, and, and it pays off for him. So it, it makes him slippery like that. You know, like he slaps your hands off. You don't quite get your hand where you want it. You're leaning a little too far forward because now you think he's going to power rush. And at the last minute, he slips past you with a speed rush, and you're, then you're kind of falling forward. You can't recover. You give up a sack. So different things like that kind of go into making him great. Big Ray, um, I'm looking at this offense and just the weapons that – you have right you have receivers you have running backs and i think personnel wise you have some linemen you just gotta uh play together um is there reason for for fans to still be optimistic about um the the potential production of this offense yeah i think the reason to be excited about it is you know i think dk just said the other day is that uh you know their offense hasn't played they haven't played their best football yet and there's a lot of reasons for that you know there's injuries along the offensive line there's injuries you know, with the, at the running back position, uh, trying to you know, get three really good – well, four receivers involved with Bobo and JSN and, and BK and Tyler, uh, trying to get three really good tight ends involved. Like it, I think a lot of it has kind of gotten lost in that um, trying to keep everybody happy and trying to get the ball to everybody. And, make every, and it's like at this point, you have to do what you have to do to win. And so that means that some days – somebody's not going to get the, the ball as much as they, they'd like. And other, other days, they're going to get, you know, more than their share. But at the end of the day, like, they keep talking about uh, this question that happened this week. Like, well, what is the identity of the offense? I think at this stage in the game, it's less about identity and more about executing the plays that are being called. Because at this point, you're not going to all of a sudden have, like, some resurgence or reemergence or some epiphany that's going to say, oh, wow, like, here it is. This is our identity. Now you just got to win. They're in playoff season right now. They needed to win football games. So that means that whatever play they call, they need to execute at a higher level than they've been executing. Hey, Ray, when you look at some of the uh, the offenses uh, now, and, you know, I, I don't know that they're, they're all the same, but you look at, like, uh, McVay and the stuff he runs, and you look at the stuff that Shanahan runs, and it just seems like it's, it's like, next level. And I know we always go through these, you know, uh, phases where it's like, oh, it's, right. you know, this kind of offense and that kind of offense. And this one, uh, it seems like it's more about executing than it is, you know, necessarily guys making plays. What do you, what do you see just from, you know, offenses around the league and how they've developed over the years? I feel like we're just kind of in a, like, I don't want to say it's a fad, but it, eventually right. defenses will figure it out, right? And and then it'll go somewhere else. But it, it's kind of gone uh, somebody told it was it Mike Jackson that was saying that the that's college concepts yeah. and stuff like that. That what are you seeing out of offenses just in general, like as a as a theme? Yeah, I, I, what I'd see is like so I can remember when Sam Bradford was drafted 
and folks were going like, man, like he's the only run out of the shotgun. And like, you know, he's never taken a snap under the center. That's what they were saying in the NFL. And probably a year after he was in the league, about 60% of the snaps in the NFL were from, from the shotgun. So you can see like this idea of this college game coming into the, into the NFL, even the formation, I think that, uh, um, that they were, that the Seahawks run that, with the tight ends in the backfield. I yeah. think that was that I think Shane Waldron saw that in a college game. And so the college game has a lot of uh, influence on the NFL game. And so to me, like you said, a lot of the offenses are the same. So then it comes down to the nuances of the offenses. And then that comes down to the actual play caller. Like the thing I like about Shanahan is how he can, he can scheme a person open. Like you're not just, you're not just relying on, you know, DK Metcalf and his big size and speed to get open. It's like there's schemes, there's routes, there's rub routes, there's, you know, different formations that, that, you know, put you more in advantage to run the ball, all these different things. To me, that's where the, that's where the magic is. And it's not about being like super creative and super innovative and all that kind of stuff. It's just going like, okay, what are they trying to take away from us? What, what is it that, where do we have the advantage? And then where can we create advantage through our lineup or through our route running or, you know, through our, you know, through how we're, designing our run plays and things. So to me, that's, that's what I see. And, and to me, that is a reflection of, of uh, the college game because the college game, the, the teams are more apt to try different things and different formations and different uh, routes and things because sometimes that's a huge uh, talent advantage one way or the other or, or, or insufficiency. So you have to make up for it in scheming guys open and creating space for guys to run and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where I see – the, uh, the the offense in the league. And to me, uh, seeing more of that with the Seahawks, I think would be, would be good. It seems like they run the basic route tree and you know, Mike can speak to this better than I can. Cause I can't say that I watch every route system that they run here, but it doesn't seem as if there's specific combination schemes that kind of that scheme a dude open. It's like, Hey, you're fast or you're quick. You run this route. Good. Go beat your one-on-one guy. And, uh, and you're getting a little bit away from that with uh, some of the better offenses. He is big Ray. We just got in the trenches, man. And we appreciate your time. Big homie. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one. Go All right. All right. (laughs) All right. When we return, we'll speak to the voice of the Seahawks. That's Steve Rabel. That is next here on the huddle. We are back. This is the huddle on Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. And now we are joined by Steve Rabel. Rabes, how was your Thanksgiving, sir? Well, I spent it with Dave Wyman in a broadcast. (laughs) So how good could it have been? Um, I got somewhere along the line. I caught a cold. uh, And so I'm a little froggy today. I apologize. And um, although, you know, I sound a little like Richard Burton, I think, um, for those for those young people out there, that was a British actor who had great pipes. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was fine. Sharon and I had just had a little turkey uh, right here on our own. It was nice and quiet. And uh, just like everybody else in the organization for the Seahawks, uh, just looking forward to getting past that 49er game and getting on to the Cowboys. Yeah, you kind of sound sexy, Rabel. <laughs> great yeah. that's, that's what i want to hear yeah i'll bet you do um yeah the, by the way that was very predictable when you asked him what his thanksgiving was like <laughs> i knew exactly what was coming um yeah so <laughs> now all of a sudden you got the the quick turnaround raves and you know it's funny i was looking at um you know we always talk about how every team becomes like the big bad wolf by the time you look at them at the end of the week it's like oh man this is this is really a tough one i mean this one you look at dallas uh, you, Almost all of their numbers are, are pretty close to what 
the 49ers do as far as their ranking offensively and defensively. And so with, uh, you know, this, this short turnaround, man, it's, uh, it looks like, it looks like they're, they're up against it. And, you know, but that's kind of that way every week, right? Is my point. I mean, every week you look at the go, Oh my gosh, you know, they, they have all these great players and, you know, Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. And it just seems like it's, it's never ending. Yeah. Well, here, here's the one thing that, that was of interest for me, at least to start out looking at this game. And that is, yeah, Dallas is, they're, they're good. I mean, well, they got eight and three records, but all of their wins and some of them have been big wins have been against teams with losing records. Now, you know, that's, that's not quite so for San Francisco. They've beaten some pretty good teams along the way. So, I don't know that there are a lot of people who think that this Dallas team really has been tested to its fullest yet. Uh, they're, they're not great against the run. Uh, and right now, at least as today stands, and what is today? I've lost track because we're playing on Thursdays back-to-back, so I don't even think today is Monday. Yep. Uh, but we have yet to hear. Where we, I, I would be a little bit surprised if Ken Walker were going to be able to play this week. Those, those oblique injuries uh, are tough. So, you know, he's, he's uh, I, I think, our most accomplished rusher, and uh, we'd like to have him back to run against these guys. So, you know, is it, uh, is it everything that, uh, that just the numbers say? Well, might be a little more than that. Now, that said, you're right. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They can get the ball. Dak throws the ball. they got a lot of good receivers. They can run it. They can do it all. They can rush the passer. So, uh, you know, let's just get out there and play him. Let's see. Raves, we always try to – predict the future and if if they win if they lose this is what happens but what does a win or a loss do for your expectations there's still things that can happen um whether they win or lose but uh what 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 does each scenario do for you as far as looking forward to this team well you know you you hate to look ahead to see what it means for the following week because every game is different uh and i think it was interesting this week that bobby uh has talked about as as pete does literally and you know I, i'll talk to him again uh tomorrow but every week he talks about whether it's a win or a loss you got to get past that game uh, it was tougher to get ready for the san francisco game after the rams game because it was such a quick turnaround so you didn't have as much time to kind of get over it. Uh, this you had the full week. It's just a different sort of week. Um, I, I think that he's done a good job, Pete has, and the leaders on this team of getting young guys to just, okay, look at it, now get past it, and let's start thinking about the next one. But if you do take a moment and you look out there over the horizon and you see Dallas and you see San Francisco and you see Philadelphia and then you see Tennessee, they're not playing great, but you're on the road on Christmas Eve to go back there and play them. Um, you know, there are no easy outs in, in uh, the NFL. And so uh, you, have to, you have to go in thinking we got to win this game and only this game. This is the playoff game we need to win. And then if you get past that one, then you come back and say, okay, now it's time to go down to, to the Bay Area and beat the Niners. And I think it's really the only way you can do it. And um, I, that's why I don't tend to look too far out over the horizon on this one uh, because right now <laughs> – the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is a train coming our way, uh, trying to get through these next, what, three games. Hey, Raves, you know, you look on the coaching staff and you got Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, and you got Mike Solari, and you got Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of, you know, I think that'll, that'll give us a little bit of an advantage, maybe knowing what those guys like to do. I think. I think so, uh, to some extent. But, you know, l- let's face it, uh, it, it's the Dallas team, and it's, uh, it's 
Mike McCarthy's team, the head coach. And so, uh, you know, offensively, he's going to do what he wants to do. I think Pete knows what Dan Quinn likes to do on defense. And quite frankly, Dan is going to look at every game we've played this year, and he's going to see what have teams done against us defensively. And when you look at the 49ers, look at the most recent game, um, you know, I've noticed that Charles Cross is getting kudos, and well, he should for since he's come back and doing a good job uh, in not allowing guys over him to, you know, put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. But one of the things the Niners did, quite frankly, was they took those great outside pass rushers and they looped them inside and they ran right up the gut and they put pressure on Gino, uh, you know, right uh, under his chin. And so it, it, it's, again, a little bit deceiving, some of the things that, that you can read or see. Uh, the bottom line is he's going to have his guys ready and I know that our guys are going to be ready. But now it's a matter of going out there and, and starting the game and playing well from the first snap, from the opening kickoff, uh, and, and do something in that first half, especially on offense. Um, I'm sorry, Rabes. Um, but uh, I thought Dave was up <laughs> next for some reason. Hey, Rabes, um, it, no denying what this, ne- this stretch is going to be. Did you lose me again? Did you guys? No, no. <laughs> no, we're good. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was more you lost us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rabes, no, no denying what, what this stretch is um, is going to be like, right? It, it honestly started with the Rams, and, and now we're, we're getting into it. Um, is there something that you could see on offense that will give you um, some optimism? Obviously, I think that the personnel, you got guys on offense, but is there a certain play type, a certain stab that you can – that you'll look at at the end of the day and say, okay, we might be turning a corner when it comes to the production of the O? Yeah, as you know, Bub, because we watch the O a lot, we haven't seen it the last few weeks. Uh, I think what Pete talked about this week is one of the things, Gino getting the ball out of his hands quickly. I think that's that's important. So that means what are you going to do on offense? How are you going to react to their defense? If you want to get the ball out fast and they come up and press you, then what's your answer? Um, we have to run the ball better. There's just no question about it. That's why I, you know, bringing up Ken a couple minutes ago, don't know if he's going to be ready to go. Um, you can't make mistakes. Can't turn the ball over. Uh, so those are the, those are the basic things that you want to see done on offense and just kind of sustain something, go in with that plan and sustain something much like we did. Um, you know, when we played, uh, uh, uh earlier in the season, uh, playing at the Washington, uh, commanders. And that opening drive, boom, here we go. Let's go. Let's play. And uh, and then after that, it sort of sets the tone for the game. All right. Well, Raves, man, we appreciate your time. Make sure you get uh, some tea, uh, yes. some honey, all that good stuff, man. You take care of that golden voice you got, man. Dave, be sure you bring the medicine this week. Okay. I think I, <laughs> I, think I know what you're referring to. Okay. All right, Raves. All right, Raves. We'll see all right, when we, thanks, Rays. When we return, we will take a dive into the opponent with an opponent preview. That is next right here on The Huddle. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bombas with Dave Wyman, and now we are joined by the Cowboys ESPN reporter, Todd Archer. Todd, how you doing? Good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing good, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, man. We're looking forward to this uh, this Thursday night primetime matchup um over here on this side i think as analysts we're looking at the cowboys and the only one of the glimmer of hope that we have right is that we look at the the teams that they've beaten we say okay there's no real um explosive win right you didn't beat like an eagles or something like that but then you look at the numbers you go i don't care who they're playing this offense is rolling right now man 
Um, what's the state of the Cowboys, and, and, and how are they feeling about their squad over there? Yeah, it's funny. They were asked, a bunch of guys today in the locker room were asked that. You know, yeah, you're 8-3, and three, but well, who have you done it against? And even Dak has recognized that today in his answers. Like, yeah, we, we put up staffs, we put up a bunch of wins, but, you know, we got to continue this. And that's – the Cowboys have done this, right? It, it, the, from – I've been covering these guys say, since from Tony Romo on. The Cowboys have had these kind of runs and seasons and streaks, uh, but they've not put it together when it's mattered most. But you, you said it, too. They're just blowing people away. It's not like they were struggling to get by these bad teams, 17, 15. Of their last five uh, or their last five wins, they've handed that team their, either their worst or their second worst loss of the season. So they're putting them on them. And, and against Washington on Thanksgiving, they put it on them late. Everybody else, they've kind of put it on them early, especially at home. And they've turned AT&T State. It's not your stadium, but they turn AT&T Stadium into a hard place to play. Hey, uh, Dak Prescott is always – I've always been a fan of his. I feel like he's hes one of those guys that sort of doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And even now, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's only thrown six interceptions in 11 games, but he's 70% completion percentage. So what, is this a, like a, a typical Dak Prescott year? How has, has he been playing and what's been sort of the word about how he has played this year? Yeah, this last stretch that he's played, these last six games – they're five and one. This is the best stretch he's ever had. It's 18 touchdowns, completing 73% of his passes, just two interceptions, uh, 1,850 yards or so. Um, the, the only other streak he really had was the start of 2021 season, where it's 16 touchdowns and four picks. And I asked Mike McCarthy the other day when we talked to him, year-round Aaron Rodgers for some MVP runs. Does this remind you of that? He goes, absolutely. It definitely reminds me of that. Just how hot he is and Dak has said he feels like he's in the zone this isn't Dak's always been a good quarterback and how you started off is the right way like he doesn't get enough credit because when you're the Cowboys quarterback you're judged by Roger Stoplock and Troy Aikman and if you don't win a Super Bowl none of it seems to matter there's there's very few teams that have to deal with that and and Dak is kind of now it's year eight for him and he's in this robo stage of his career where you're not going to be recognized for how well you play in the regular season. Everything you're going to, that you do is going to be defined by what you do in the playoffs. How do you think the um, the Cowboys are looking at the Seahawks, man? They're they're wounded right now. Two losses, um, one game you felt like they could have won, and then a uh, a big loss against the the 49ers. Obviously, we're biased. We look at our team on paper and saying, okay, you should be able to compete. But I'm wondering what um, how other teams view the Hawks right now. I think the Cowboys view these guys as, as a team that can hurt them. And one of the reasons is, and while they might not be running the ball the way that they have in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, the Cowboys' weakness defensively is their run defense. If you can stay in the game on them, shorten the game, run the ball, control the tempo of the game, we, we've not seen the Cowboys, especially at home, really do anything but front run and get out ahead on guys and make him throw, and then Deron Bland's going to have a pick six at some point <laughs> during the game. Um, it, it, and and that's the way, if, if you can run the ball and, and control that tempo, like I said, and it, again, am I wrong? Is that no longer what their MO is? Because I haven't seen Metcalf go off like he usually does. Um, I, I think that's a way that you can beat the Cowboys because they are a team that relies more on speed and quickness than, than size and strength and you can wear on them a little bit. Carolina did it a couple weeks ago. Washington did it when they were in the game through three quarters. So there's a, there's, that's the way you can kind of get at the Dallas defense. 
Yeah, so you mentioned Deron Bland. I mean, he's a second, or I'm sorry, fifth rounder last year uh, out of Fresno State. Always loved the the Fresno State kids, the kids out of the valley. Always tough guys. And uh, how how much of a, a surprise has he been? I mean, this is this guy's just been fantastic with seven interceptions. Yeah, and he had five last year as a rookie. It's funny you mentioned Fresno. He was only at Fresno for one year. He was at Sacramento State before that and transferred in for his for a COVID year, I think up to Fresno and the, and the Cowboys get him in the fifth round and led their team in interceptions last year, even when Trayvon Diggs was around now fills in for Trayvon Diggs and, and sets a record for with five picks, sixes, seven on the season. It's, it's been a pretty remarkable thing to see because I guess Richard Sherman did this to a degree, right? As a fifth yeah. round pick. Um, yeah. But you just don't see this stuff very often out of guys. And he's sometimes like guys, when they get hot on streaks like this, Will, will hunt those interceptions and kind of put themselves in bad spots. He's not really done that. He's still continued to, to follow the technique. Al Harris, uh, his cornerback's coach, wants him to play. He's not, he's not gotten out of his personality and, and try to look, at the, look for these interceptions. What's the what's the niche of the Cowboys? You know, we look at the, uh, the Seahawks, and they find a way to bring guys back, right, and, and get the most out of them or play – a lot of young guys to get the most out of them. What do what the Cowboys hang their hats on? That's a good one. I, I mean, they're playing young guys as well and getting a lot out of them. Um, and they're really, it's, it's a, for as big a market or as big a team as they are, and everybody thinks it's Jerry Jones and he's got a bazillion dollars and he's going to spend all his cash. They're not a huge free agency guy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're draft and develop their own and, and pay their own guys. Um, they don't go out of their way to like the two trades that they did for Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. Part of the reason why those trades got done is that Indianapolis and, and Houston took money back and, and paid those guys. And, and so the Cowboys weren't on on the hook for full freight. So that's kind of what they do. They're they're draft and develop and they'll supplement. But really, they want to draft their own, pay their own, and it's going to be a heck of a thing for the Cowboys to do because they're going to have coming up soon uh, C.D. Lamb. Looks like a top five receiver. You're going to have to pay him $25, $30 million. Dak Prescott, he's a quarterback. We know that what they make. And, and Micah Parsons might be the highest paid defensive player in NFL history by the time he's eligible for a contract. Good luck fitting that under a salary cap. Good luck adding, adding guys. So you better be able to draft and find the Deron Bland and that fifth round and that third day better be really good players for you. Hey, Todd, real quick, um, I always like asking this question. Who's a, who's an underrated player, a, a guy that, you know, outside of C.D. Lamb and, uh, and Dak Prescott that, uh, that doesn't get a lot of attention? I'll give you two guys on one side on offense and one on defense. Offense, it's their tight end, Jake Ferguson, second-year guy, has really kind of filled in well for Dalton Schultz. It's Barry Alvarez, his grandson, he, the former coach and AD up at Wisconsin, mm. kind of football in his DNA kind of guy, and, and, and a pretty good guy who can get down the team on you um, is really taking the next step in your second year. And then on defense, another second-year guy, Damone Clark, has filled in nicely for Leighton uh, Van Der Esch when he went down for the season with his neck injury, and he's the guy to watch, I think, this week when we talked about the run defense to see where he is because he's a guy that always seems to find himself around the ball he and Marquis Bell will probably be the two guys on defense that are probably the more unheralded guys. All right. He is ESPN's Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, man. Todd, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the conversation, man. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. 
Okay, when we return, we'll put a bow on the scene. We'll give you our final thoughts, and we'll be joined by John Boyle. That is next on The Huddle. We got a huddle on a Monday this week because we have a short week. So uh, it says Thursdays, typically Thursdays, but the Hawks are going to be in Dallas getting it done on Thursday. So now we're joined by our guy, John Boyle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. Boy, what's going on, man? Not much. I legit forgot it was Monday until you said that. Right? So thank, appreciate the update. Yeah, I was just reminded by the intro. It said Thursday. I go, no, today and Thursday. I got to do this today. I got to yeah, take my son to Thursday in football world. Team travels tomorrow. It's, it's a weird week for sure. Yeah. How was, uh, how was Thanksgiving? Uh, I mean, I was working and yeah. like the game could have gone better, but it was, you know, it was a good time nonetheless. Yeah. All right. So how do, how do we bounce back? What do we do? Give me the answer, please. Yeah, there's there's a number of things. I'd say more than anything, it's finding some offensive consistency. I mean, we've seen that unit look really good at times this year. Um, It just hasn't been there consistently enough, especially lately. I mean, last couple games, that opening drive against the Rams, that's about as good as an offense can look. And really, since then, it's been a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, and how about, like, health-wise? I mean, who are the guys that are really struggling with this this short week yeah i mean unfortunately the way this week lays out we have not had an injury report yet this week the first one will come out later today so i can't help you a ton there but i mean we do know just from hearing from pete carroll after the game that you know kenneth walker is going to be kind of wait and see till the end of the week if he can do anything they probably won't know anything on him until later um they may get a Lucas back. He's practicing with a shot to play, which could be you know a big boost for that offensive line whenever he's back. Uh, but fortunately, I think they came out of that game without too many new injuries. It's just kind of getting guys back from the the bumps and bruises that games bring. Yeah, somebody asked, is it more mental or is it physical? And I was like, uh, it depends on how old you are. A <laughs> <laughs> little Jason, bit of column A, a little if, bit of column B. If you're JP, yeah. uh, Jason Peters is probably a little bit It's probably a little physical. bit physical yeah. when you're playing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gino was at the podium today. Anything stick out to you? No, I mean, it's unfortunately, it's kind of what we were hearing the week before because the offense has been scuffling a little bit for two weeks of just trying to, again, find that consistency of, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's getting the ball out. Yeah, I think if anything, it's maybe more interesting that said this week that we've heard from him and from Pete Carroll's talk about getting the ball out quicker. Um, obviously, the pass rush for the 49ers was very effective. I think that's six sacks, and they're facing one of the best pass rush teams in Dallas this week. So um, I think Geno Smith knows that y- you can't just put it all on the offensive line to be like, hey, you got to keep me upright and block well. Like the quarterback has to do his part too, get the ball out, get some of those quick throws away. And, and I think he knows that's going to be, be a big part of the game plan. All right. So to go a little bit on the lighter side, uh, this is the throwback. Yes. Week. And if I'm not mistaken, it looks like in the uh, the Seahawk game book that this first page is typewritten. Uh, if you look at the, the it looks like an old I, typewriter. I, I, I'd have to check with PR. I don't think we actually got a typewriter out for that. I'm guessing the I'm guessing these newfangled computers can mimic a typewriter look. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it's that that font and everything. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to to go you know yeah. go into it. I mean, they're great looking uniforms. We saw them already once this year and. Uh, Good, good, good trip down memory lane for fans who've been around a while. So it's the gray pants and the white. Yeah. Oh no, no, we're, no, no, blue. We're, we're yeah. blue. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Cowboys always. Cowboys are, yeah. yeah. That's why they picked this one for the road one. There we go. See, you got me because Nas came down with the media guide and put it down. I go, why is why do we have the throwbacks on? We got throwbacks. Okay, got something yeah. to look forward to this week. Um, 
in any update, what you say you don't know about the injuries. I'm assuming that Ken Walker is going to be out because that oblique is, is something nasty. Huh? Yeah, we'll see. I, I always think of obliques as a baseball injury. And for, for baseball players, that's real doom. I don't know for a running back how, how serious, like how long-term it is. Pete Carroll didn't rule out the idea that he could get back. But what he did say when we talked to him after the game Friday is, you know, they're probably going to keep him quiet all week and then maybe, you know, maybe it's something where they see if he can get on the field tomorrow or, you know, again, I'm just guessing based off what Pete said, we haven't been told anything new, but he's got, you know, I think probably it's one of those things they want to wait and make sure he's fully healed. Is that a throwback ring you have there? That is actually, I set an alarm because I got so much going on on these Thursdays slash Monday. Kind of jammed in. I want to make sure I don't forget to show up for this interview with you guys. There you go. So that was, I accidentally snoozed it and said turn it off when it went off at 140. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, pretty cool for um, Jordan Brooks. uh, Awesome, The the, the pick six. And I felt bad for him. We had him on the the post-game TV, and he's like, of course he's down. He's yeah. got this, you know, his face is just like, oh, this sucks. And yet he gets his p- first pick six, and he kind of smiled a little bit. But t- tell tell us a little bit, of, take us behind the scenes on, um, like, the things that EK does, Eric Kennedy, that they get the football and they paint it up and yeah, do yeah. all that stuff. Tell yeah, them. for guys, you know, if it's their first touchdown, things like that, or in this case, first interception, first touchdown, yeah, the, the equipment staff, they'll, they'll save the ball for them. And as you said, they, you know, they paint it. They'll do like the white panel on it and paint, you know, the details of the the date and the play and first, you know, interception, first touchdown, all that. So nice keepsake he can put put in his house or whatever he wants to do with it. But yeah, I mean, he's. I, I feel like we talk about this maybe every month or so with him. But like, what a season he's having for a guy that he's still what eleven months removed yeah. from an ACL tear. He was back on the field less than eight months after surgery. And he's not just back and making it through. He's playing the best football of his career. It's pretty awesome. I'm jealous, man. EK didn't do that for my touchdown. They just gave me the ball and said, hey, congratulations. I oh, gave really? No pain or nothing. Maybe you should it. take it in yeah. there, man. Okay. Right? Yeah. So go, let's go take it in there. See what they can do. I have my mom send it to me. There you <laughs> go. I, I need to get this done. Jordan sent his ball to his mom. Yeah, said, so a lot of players. Yeah, yeah my mom has. Yeah, she has my balls. So oh, she does. Yeah, okay, send, have send it back. Send it back. Bump us on there. There we go. Yeah, do that. <laughs> hey, Boyle, um, Kenny McIntosh. Did I yeah. see him on the field at all? No, week? unfortunately, the offense did not really get into enough plays to to get him involved and get enough running plays. Any special to, teams. I'd have to go back and check if he did it all. It was not very much. I don't. I don't have the the game book with the snap counts in front of us. But yeah, I mean, I think the idea was if you have a good offensive game and you're getting to, you know, seventy offensive plays and you want to use multiple running backs, he's going to get a shot. But they just couldn't really sustain enough drives to to get really anybody involved in yeah. the running game except for Charbonnet. Uh, did I ask you about D. Eskridge yet? Uh, you did not. Okay. Well, how about him? I mean, at one point, like 10 minutes into the second quarter, he had like all of their yards. I yeah. Think it was 80 yards because he ran the fly sweep. Yeah, he sweep. had the 66-yard touchdown, 10-yard uh, rush on the fly sweep. They had another decent return, of, you know, 30-some yards later in the game. So, yeah, I mean, they drafted him when they did a couple of years ago because he's such an explosive athlete. And unfortunately, because of all the injuries and then the suspension this year, we just haven't got to see it really show up on game day at all. So good moment for him. And it you know could bode well for the team to get something out of him, some production out of him going forward of if he can be that guy in the return game and a guy that, look, he's at this point, he's not going to be a featured guy on offense when you got JSN as the clear number three guy behind Lockett and Metcalf. But a guy you can still find some touches for who can make some things happen and if he can get them some big returns that could really help 
McIntosh, no offensive snaps with three special three, teams. Three, all right. All right. So he's got out so there. Start. So he, got, start. he got his debut officially. Right. But, yeah, let's, it'd be fun to see him get some some touches on offense, too. It would. Um, I was so excited to see Deskridge have that big play. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting, what, two or three seasons now for that to happen. Um, hopefully they, they work him in a bit more. Is there anybody on the offense that you feel like should be getting more touches, more looks? It's hard because, like, I think if anything, the one you could probably point to right now is just the tight ends in general. They're, they have not been getting the tight ends of the ball as much of late. But then it's like, okay, JSN's also been coming on and playing really well. And if you're going to do more tight end stuff, you're probably going to have less touches for your receivers. Um, and, again, this goes back to what I was saying about McIntosh. Like, you just need the offense to function better and stay on the field longer, and a lot more guys are going to get involved. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to make a concerted effort to say, hey, we want to get Fant or Disley this many more touches if you know that, like, hey, we're just going to convert three or four more third downs than we have been in a game, and then all of a sudden you've got a lot more opportunities to spread the ball around. Because it's just it's hard to get everybody involved if you're kind of scuffling and having those quick three-and-out type drives. Last five times we played the Cowboys, the only loss was the playoff game. In uh, mm-hmm. in 2018, now I know I'll probably rely more heavily on Jen Mueller for this because she's from Texas. But mm-hmm. going to Dallas, you got some uh, you got an eye on some good places to eat down there. You I, I haven't Texas really barbecue? scouted it out too much, but yeah, I mean, I, I figure if you're in Texas, barbecue or some yeah. Tex-Mex. Find some. I remember one year when we stayed in like the Fort Worth area. I think I managed to go a whole day where every meal I ate was some form of taco, <laughs> <laughs> and I was really okay with that. I was like breakfast tacos, tacos for lunch. So there yeah, you go. if I can do that again, I'd be okay with it. All right, final thought. The Hawks win if? The Hawks win if. I just want to see them take care of the football and not turn it over. It seems simple, but in most of the losses, they've they've given the ball up and made it a little too easy on the opponents. Usually I'll go with takeaways, but I'm going to say special teams plays. Um, You know, one of the – I watched one of the Ram uh, Ram games, the loss to the Cowboys. Cowboys block a punt. It goes for a safety. They get a, a, you know, short kick, short field. And you saw with Eskridge with the return that that gives you the short field there. The was it 70, 67, 70 yards, something yeah, like that. Sixty-six, so, I think. Yeah, so you know, I feel like a, a big special team, especially. I think you get like a ninety percent chance in the NFL for a, a win if you get a blocked punt. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, special teams. Specials. I'm going to go with uh, turnovers. You said protect the ball. Mm-hmm. Takeaways over here. Dak Prescott completing seventy percent of his passes. My man's been playing well. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Keys to the game. Get that done. Automatic win. We guaranteed here on the huddle. All right. <laughs> I'm Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, John Boyle. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you guys coming up next. You got Wyman and Bob.